You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, hello to you all, and what a treat to be back with you. Welcome to episode 49 of Attaboy Clarence. Feels like I've been away far too long this time. Yes, I have returned from the secret history of Hollywood to walk you around a classic movie garden. I think that just about As you're probably aware, I've been off in secret history mode. Bullets and Blood Part 1, the first chapter in the Warner Brothers and James Cagney story, is available now. Simply subscribe to the Secret History of Hollywood podcast and get listening. I'm dying to know what you think. This is a very different show to the ones that have come before. Such a lot of things have happened lately. But before we talk about that, I've been trying to work out how to get more vegetables into my children's diet. If mealtime is often spoiled in your home because it's such an effort to coax your children to eat their vegetables, listen carefully. I am listening. You can now give your children the goodness of eight different vegetables in a delicious drink they'll love. Tia Maria? Are there vegetables in Tia Maria? Just give them V8 vegetable juices. V8 is one of the most enticing drinks that's ever been concocted. And here's the important thing. Every tempting sip of V8 contains the goodness from eight different vegetables. Okay. Tomatoes and beets of the red variety, lettuce, spinach, watercress, parsley, and celery of the leafy green variety, carrots of the yellow variety. Thus, when you serve V8, your children get both the goodness and variety of eight different vegetables. Okay, well... To save myself some money, I've taken their recipe and I've made it my own. So we've got some tomatoes or tomatoes, depending on whether or not you want to call the whole thing off. And we have beetroots and lettuce and watercress and celery and spinach and some parsley and some carrots. Here we go then. I'll just blend those up. Okay then. Here we go. Tastes like paint. Good heavens. Let me mix some of this in with it. Hmm. Well, it certainly tastes better with a little Tia Maria added. Hmm. Quite delicious. Kids? Kids? My mother thanks you all. My father thanks you, my sister thanks you, and I assure you, I thank you. Well, a bumper thanking session about to drop first to Tina, a.k.a. Spanky Spangler, who has used appearances on not just one, but two different shows to pimp out my podcasts. Tina, a pair of Canterbury's to you with my heartfelt thanks. Canterbury. Canterbury. To Malcolm from APOC Radio, Caroline from Loose Cannon, to Jack from Down These Mean Streets, to the boys at Weekly Geek Speak, and to all the listeners who sent in Christmas greetings for the Christmas special. Thank you. I line you up against the wall and... 
And to Robert Lovejoy, Greg Howe Davis, David Stockton, Mary Freer, Carolyn Williamson, Richard Green, Shannon Whitesell and Alan Walker, thank you all for the ridiculously generous donations through the website. You get an Andrea Bocelli Canterbury. Time to say Canterbury. Which brings me on to the next thing I have to talk about. Last week, I set up a Patreon page for these podcasts. And if you're not familiar with Patreon, then let me quickly explain. Patreon is a service that allows creators such as myself to appeal to their respective audiences in the hope of finding patronage in the form of small monetary sums on a monthly basis. As I say, I set this thing up less than a week ago and put out a simple message on social media and by way of a small podcast message. And I have been flabbergasted by the results. You people are the most generous bunch of folks I've ever had the pleasure to beg for money. Thank you to each and every one of you that has taken time to make the commitment and donate a small sum every month to help grow not just this show, but the secret history of Hollywood show. It sounds like a cliche to help it grow, but in this case, it's absolutely the truth. I have big plans for these shows, not least to make them more regular. I want to make these things all the time, but life keeps getting in the way. The more patrons I have, the more regular these shows can become. Well, like I say, the response has been amazing. I am already over halfway towards the first goal, and if that goal is hit, then this very show you're listening to will automatically become a weekly show. Each and every week, on the nail, it will be with you, and we're over halfway there already, so thank you. And just in case you haven't pledged yet, but may be interested in doing so, just follow the link in the show notes and pledge as little as $1 and up to $10 a month, and depending on which package you choose you'll receive rewards which include exclusively recorded episodes of this show that are going to go out fortnightly specially adapted ebooks of the secret history of hollywood advanced previews of secret history shows exclusive emails that kind of thing if you've signed up already thank you so much and your first batch of rewards are on their way as of today if you haven't signed up yet look for the link in the show notes of this episode and become a patron I'm also very excited today because the first ebook is being sent out and it is the full-length version of A Universe of Horrors, the history of universal horror movies and the men that made them, beautifully formatted and over 200 pages long. And I'm delighted to say that it's now available to purchase on the website attaboyclarence.com and at Amazon. Just search for A Universe of Horrors. As I say, if you'd like to become a patron of these shows, look for the link in the show notes or go to attaboyclarence.com and scroll down to the Patreon banner for more information. Thank you so much. Each and every dollar pledged is one more of you saying, you know what? I'm going to make that guy's dream come true. And for that, you are incredible. Thank you. Well, anyway, enough of that. Quite by accident this week, I found myself watching three Humphrey Bogart movies. And they're not a trio of films that you can really call columns of pop culture in the same way that Casablanca or the Maltese Falcon are. So although I have already done a Humphrey Bogart show back in episode 10, I thought I'd tell you all about them because they're interesting movies 
for very different reasons. First up is a movie from 1944 entitled Passage to Marseille. This tells the story of a British reporter, Manning, who's sent to a French airbase hidden in the English countryside, where daring nightly raids are being launched against Germany. While watching the airmen take to their planes, Manning becomes fascinated with the haunted face of one of the pilots named Matrac, played by Humphrey Bogart. I've been thinking about those men, those grim, determined faces, especially that gunner. The man you spoke to just before the takeoff. I can't get him out of my mind. I feel I've seen him somewhere before. Matrak, he impressed you. I've never seen a stronger face or a stranger one. Not a fellow to take liberties with, I should say. No. I could tell you a story about him. I've never told anyone. Would you care to hear it? Manning and the base commander take a seat by the fireplace where the story of Matrak is retold. And what follows is a twisting tale of loyalty, villainy, honor set against the birth of the Second World War. Captain, Reynolds told us what you said and we've been talking here together. There's nothing to do, it's true. We're convicts escaped from Cayenne. Ah, we're Frenchmen. Convicts or not, we can kill Germans. What is more important than that? Shut up, what do you know about it? We're as good Frenchmen as a lot who have never been sent to Cayenne. We are not soft as convicts. We can kill Germans. Keep out of this, Petit. You're for us then? Yes. France needs men. You see, I told you you would be for us. Even if we are convicts? What does that matter? I guess it's time you heard our story. Firstly, what a cast. You have Humphrey Bogart, Claude Rains, Peter Lorre, Sidney Greenstreet, basically half of the Casablanca cast. Even the lady guitarist who begins the defiant sing-song with Paul Henry and Rick's bar is here playing guitar again, so plenty of Easter eggs for Casablanca fans. Secondly, superbly directed by Michael Curtiz. Again, even the director of Casablanca is here, and his technical craft is an absolute wow. There's a scene near the beginning where Manning arrives in this richly pastoral landscape in Britain and the camera sweeps around him, drinking in this breathtaking scenery before sweeping back into his face. It's a simple point in the story, but it's done with a hypnotising elegance. It's beautiful stuff. And there's another scene where a conversation between two men is held by their reflections in a piano. If you ever required proof that Michael Curtiz was a master of his craft, not that you would, of course, then it definitely lies in his 1940s work. The tale itself does fold in on itself from time to time. You have flashbacks within flashbacks within flashbacks at times. And it can be a little tricky to place yourself in time every now and then, but it is a story worth working at. My God, by the end I was in absolute pieces. It's a real tearjerker. And if you need another reason to watch the film, then guess who's playing Manning, the reporter? None other than everyone's favourite Murderer. There'll be no New Year for you. Yes, the Brighton Strangler himself, John Loder. Bless old John Loder. He was never the greatest actor in the world, and there's a scene at the beginning of the film where he's being driven to the airbase that demonstrates that. 
perfectly. They asked me to bring you down from London. And what is my destiny? Your what, sir? What is my destiny? And what is my destiny? Your what, sir? And what is my destiny? Your what, sir? And what is my destiny? Your what, sir? Oh, someone tell him what his destiny is. Oh, nothing. I was about to ask. What is my destination? Anyway, don't be put off by the war setting. Passage to Marseille is a superbly exciting epic adventure story with some brilliant performances from a glittering cast some quite dark moments and the brighton strangler awesome stuff next up i watched 1949's tokyo joe this is the story of oops hang on there should be some music happening right now and it doesn't seem to be working Pardon me, everyone. I can't quite reach the computer from here. Let me see if my dog's around anywhere. Suki? Suki? Excuse me. Yes? How may I assist you today? Yeah, hi. Could you possibly help me for a minute? I certainly can help you for a minute, or maybe two minutes, or maybe three minutes, or even... I have run out of numbers that I know. Yes, yes, yes. yes. I'm talking about a film called Tokyo Joe. Yes. Could you just possibly go to my computer and put on some music with an oriental flavour so that everyone listening will get a sense that they're in the Orient? Yes, I will definitely do this thing that you have asked me to do. I would have given all that I own to have done this task for you before you asked me to do the task, but now that you've actually husked me to do the task, I will enjoy it, and even so much as thank you for having told me to do the task you have told me to do. Go on, then. That's it. Go to the computer and put on some oriental music. Yes, just doing it now for you. As I'm in the middle of doing this task for you, may I just inform you that I have chewed through a wire in the lounge. Right. Sorry about that. That's okay. Can you put the music on now? And I have done an indiscretion in your shoe. I was desperate. You... in my shoe? Yes, the tall shoe with the silver laces. Silver laces? Oh, those aren't my shoes. Those are my wife's shoes. That's fine, just don't say anything. Can you put the music on, please? I can indeed, and here it comes. Here is some oriental music for you. Okay, thank you. So, Tokyo Joe tells the... Hang on a minute. Suki, this is chopsticks. Chopsticks are oriental. One moment. Right, so Tokyo Joe tells the tangled story of Joe Barrett who's returned to Tokyo following the war to pick up the life he left behind. Chopsticks are oriental, if you please. Before he left, he was the owner of Tokyo Joe's nightclub, which is now being run by his old friend, Ito, played by Teru Shimada. Did you just sneeze? Go away, Suki, please. I would give all that I own to stay here and stare intently into your eyes. Go and lie down. I would give all that I own to live in a big field with some cows and eat the big flat eggs that they lay. Are you lying down? Yes. Okay, so... What the hell am I talking about again? Tokyo Joe from 1949. Okay, so Joe discovers upon returning to Tokyo that the wife he believed to be dead, Trina, is actually alive and has married again. But to further complicate matters, Joe finds out that Trina's daughter, Anya, is in fact his daughter 
And out of this chaos grows a fragile getting-to-know-you story, alongside the story of Joe as he attempts to earn a living by working for notorious Tokyo criminal Baron Kimura, played by Sesu Hayakawa. Bless you. Hey, well, the thing is, maybe I jumped into this deal too fast. The more I think about it, the more I'm convinced I'm not the front you want for your setup. So I think you ought to let me off the hook and no hard feelings. Of course, I can understand how you hate to have a thing like this treason charge and never use it. It will be used one way or another. Why? If I'm not in, you don't get your airline anyway. But you are going to be in, Mr. Barrett. I can't get an airline without your help. And I must have it. So, very odd film, rather dour at times. There's a real air of doom over the whole thing. Bogart's character seems weary beyond belief as he tramps around Tokyo trying to pick up the pieces. The scenes where he's attempting to rebuild his family and to establish some kind of relationship with this sparkling little girl that he's only just discovered are quite magical. But unfortunately, they play strictly second fiddle to the intrigue surrounding Baron Kimura and his shady goings-on. It's a real shame because it would have been nice to see Bogart not having to play a tough guy and instead someone a little more fragile and trying to win over this child. Still, the scenes with father and daughter are really nicely played and are definitely the highlight of the film. Also, in the character of Ito, it's nice to see a sympathetic view of a Japanese man in an American movie of the 1940s. I mean, most of the Japanese characters are played as the villainous type here, I won't lie to you, but at least Ito is given some shred of humanity, which is quite refreshing. It's not perfect, it's a little drab, I'm sorry to say, and there is a scene in which a Japanese man actually says, Ah, so. (laughs) But it is worth checking out if you're a Bogart enthusiast, and it is by no means his worst film. Lastly today, 1939's The Oklahoma Kid. Oof, where to begin? James Cagney, Humphrey Bogart, Ward Bond, Donald Crisp. Yes, Donald Crisp, the English cowboy. Pop's counting on you bringing law to this territory, Judge. That's going to be some job. Judging from the scum of the West I've seen drifting in here. You have to love those authentic cowboys with their English accents. Yes, the Oklahoma Kid, which if you boil it down to its essentials, is basically a Warner Brothers gangster film set in the Old West. Unfortunately, it's not a very good Warner Brothers gangster film set in the Old West. Despite the fact that you have a dazzling cast and an absolute barrel full of opportunities for excitement, this is one of the dullest films in the Warner catalogue. How did that happen? Look at that cast. Now, give them horses and guns and whiskey and watch the fireworks, right? Wrong. It's the story of the newly born city of Tulsa. Freshly built during the Oklahoma land rush, Whip McCord, played by Humphrey Bogart, is determined to turn the new city into a den of sin by building gambling houses and saloons, much to the displeasure of the conservative townsfolk, led by John King Kay. No sense of starting any trouble when everything can be settled quiet and peaceful. The only way to settle this is for you to get off our land. 
Your land is our claim stake sticking right up here in front of you. You won't get away with this. I think we will. We've already got a man halfway back to the claim office. You're licked, Mr. Kincaid, and you know it. Hey, what are you after? Nothing much. We just heard you were figuring on building a town here. That's all right with us. All we want's a part of it. And the exclusive rights to any saloons or gambling houses the town might need. Who are you? Where are you from? Whip McCord from the Panhandle. What's your proposition? You go right ahead and build your town and attract settlers. So you can take away their money at Ferro and Roulette, eh? Yeah, that's the idea. You take care of their virtues, I'll take care of their vices. But unbeknown to everyone, John Kincaid's son is Jim. Kincaid, the notorious outlaw, the Oklahoma Kid. And when McCord goes after the Kincaid family, only the Oklahoma Kid can do anything about it. Who was it, McCord? No, he's gang, but McCord wasn't there. Well, do you know who was there? There was Doolin, Curly, Indian Joe, and Handley. Doolin, Curly, Indian Joe, and Handley. What are you going to do about it? I'm going to the territorial governor in the morning and insist he put this town under martial law. A little bit late for that. Then we'll go after the ringleaders and bring them to trial. You better do it fast if you want to get there ahead of me. So James Cagney is the anti-hero here. He's basically a good man who's made some bad choices. And because of this, he's been exiled by his father and brother who refused to speak of him. This has pushed him further into lawlessness, but when Bogart's villain begins to attack his family, it's redemption time. Now, there are a couple of neat plot turns and a great villain in the form of Bogart, who's dressed in black and murders without mercy. But tack on a completely insignificant romance that takes up way too much time, and then suffocate the action with an interminable amount of conversation scenes, and you kill what could have been a trashy little romp. You have James Cagney with sideburns and dual pistols, for goodness sake. Don't stand him in an endless series of rooms and make him talk in monotone. Make him dance, make him sing, make him shoot, and then make him punch a whole lot of men. But never make him stop doing that so that he can talk about serious things for half the film. Ugh, such a boring film. And it pains me greatly to say that, because critics be damned, I was determined to like it. Unfortunately, despite a gang of the finest that Warner had to offer, it's a stinker. Avoid it like the plague. Well, for your radio entertainment today, an absolute treat. This was the first pairing of Bogart and Bacall, not only on the screen but on the radio. Yes, this is the Lux Radio Theatre version of their first screen duet. Ernest Hemingway's To Have and Have Not, the sultry tale of his ship's captain, Harry, in Fort de France, trying his best to stay out of the war, but being sucked into heroism by the presence of American wanderer, Marie. So let's sail on over to the Lux Radio Theatre to see how it's done. You know how to whistle, don't you? We've had many premieres on the Lux Radio Theatre. And tonight, on our 12th anniversary, we bring you one of Hollywood's most fascinating couples. Together, for the first time on the air, they are Humphrey Bogart 
and Lauren Bacall. Co-starred in Warner Brothers' thrilling screenplay, To Have and Have Not. To Have and Have Not is a story of intrigue and action, with Lauren Bacall in the sultry and romantic role that won her instantaneous acclaim. To bring the Bogart family to rehearsals, we had to lure them from their brand new mountain home, where, along with a dog, 14 chickens, and eight ducks, they are still in the process of getting settled. No phone as yet, no tables, and no drapes. But if you should drop in on a friendly visit of inspection, as I did, you'd find Lux Flakes doing their part in washing curtains, bedspreads, blankets, etc., etc., etc. When I commented on this fact, uh, Bogey assured me that on his 54-foot yawl in Newport Harbor, which is the Bogart's home away from home, Lux Flakes are a standard part of the equipment, making this family loyal to Lux Flakes on land and sea. It's curtain time, and here's the first act of To Have and Have Not, starring Humphrey Bogart as Harry Morgan and Lauren Bacall as Mary Browning. In 1940, following the fall of France, the rule of the new Vichy government stretched to a group of islands due east and south of the tip of Florida, the French West Indies, among them the island of Martinique. It's early evening. At a little town on the Martinique coast, a boat has just come into port. All right, Eddie, tie her up. That's what I'm doing, Harry. Tie her up good. Well, Mr. Johnson, want to go out again in the morning? No, I'm fed up with this kind of fishing. Yeah, I can see how you would be. You hook a couple of marlin that any good fisherman would give his life to tie in when you lose them both. Yeah, Mr. Johnson, you're just unlucky. Shut up, Eddie. Uh, about my bill. Sixteen days plus the rod and reel you lost overboard. The fishing tackle's your risk. Not when you lose it the way you did. I paid for the rent of it every day. Well, look, if you hired a car and ran it over a cliff, you'd have to pay for it. Well, that's entirely different. Not if you was in it. That's a good one, Harry. Yeah, that, that's a good one, Eddie. Now, look, I'm not trying to... I lost to... that gear through carelessness. It cost me 275 bucks. Then there's 16 days. It's 35 a day. That's a total of 835 bucks. Well... I'll go to the bank in the morning. I was figuring you'd pay me off tonight. I don't keep cash like that at the hotel. Okay. Well, let's go up and have a drink. Yeah, why not? All right, lock up, Eddie. You mean I can't go with you? That's just what I mean. That drunken old fool. Hey, look, Mr. Johnson, Eddie's my worry, see? Now, don't you worry about Eddie. Well, are you coming or not? Yeah, I'm coming. <laughs> Well, monsieur, what luck today? They're not so good, Frenchy. Couple of bourbons straight. What are you doing behind the bar, Frenchy? Oh, a small hotel like this, Harry. The proprietor does a little better. So, uh, the fish would not bite, eh? Uh, maybe tomorrow you do better, eh? Not me. I'm through. This is my last day. Oh, that's too bad, eh? Yeah. Well, here's to you. I'm going to wash up. Oh, uh, that bill was 800 and... Uh, 835 bucks. Uh, 835. Oh, Johnson. Yeah? What time tomorrow morning? Oh, uh, after the bank opens, around 10.30. I'll be waiting. Harry, 
You are free after today. Uh, no more fishing parties. Why? There are some people who want to hire your boat. No, not a chance. They only want it for one night, Harry. They pay well. Well, I can't afford to get mixed up in politics. I would not speak it if I'm not important. You better not speak at all. Company's coming. Company? Oh, good evening, mademoiselle. Anybody got a match? Oh, yeah. Here's a match. Thanks. Hey, who's that? She came in on the afternoon plane. Oh. Well, about my boat, I know what your sympathies are, and it's all right for you, but I don't want any part of it. They are coming here tonight, Harry, to talk to you. Well, then get word to them. They'd be wasting their time. Oh, I am sorry. Yeah, me too. I've been looking all over for What's you. doing, Frenchy? Those men who wanted to see you. I was unable to reach them. Well, tell them when I get here. It is dangerous for them to come here at all, but to come here for nothing. Oh, you don't even listen. Well, I'm looking at my client, Mr. Johnson. What's that dame doing with Johnson? Dame? The one who was out of matches. Oh, 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 she's been with Johnson all evening. Her name is Browning, Marie Browning. Oh, she's leaving. Yeah, so am I. someplace? Just to my room, if you don't mind. Oh, I don't mind, but mine's much closer. It's right here. Say, mister, what's got into you? Come on, let's have it. Have what? Johnson's wallet. I want that wallet, Slim. I'd rather you wouldn't call me Slim. You see, Steve, I'm a little too skinny to take it kindly. I'll quit the baby talk and hand it over. I didn't know you were a hotel detective. Johnson's my client. He didn't speak so well of you. Well, he's still my client. Here. That's more like it. Johnson owes me money. You know, you ought to pick on somebody to steal from who doesn't owe me money. He dropped his wallet and I picked it up. And you were going to give it back to him? No. No, I wasn't. I don't like him. Well, that's a pretty good reason. Besides, I need boat fare to get out of Martinique. That's another good reason. Well, what's in it? Sixty bucks, a plane ticket, and fourteen hundred dollars in traveler's checks. Did you expect more? Well, the bird owed me eight hundred and thirty-five bucks. And he said he'd have to go back to the bank tomorrow and all the time he's got a ticket on a plane leaving at daylight. Then I've done you a favor. That's right. I'm entitled to something. See, what do you think is fair? 50-50? Well, or... company. Oh, please, Harry, I told him what you said, but I insisted on... It is not Gerard's fault, Mr. Morgan. I, I am Jean Beauclair. Come in, boys, and close the door. I told Gerard I wasn't interested. Wait a minute, this girl. I'd better go. Oh, no, stick around. It's all right to talk in front of you, isn't it, Slim? Go ahead, I don't mind. We'll give you 2,500 francs. We'd offer you more, but we haven't got it. Sorry, my boat's not available. I thought all Americans were friendly to our side, Monsieur Morgan. Well, there's a rumor they put fellows on Devil's Island for doing what you're doing. I'm not that friendly to anybody. Who's that? Relax. In here, Eddie. Hiya, Harry. See, I wanted to talk to you about the... Hey, who are these guys? I saw them hanging around the dock after you left. For one who drinks, you have a good memory. Drinking don't bother my memory. If I did, I wouldn't drink. Forget how good it was. Say, was you ever bit by a dead bee? I have no memory of ever being bitten by any kind of bee. Were you, Eddie? Was I? <laughs> Say, you were all right. You know, you got to be careful of dead bees if you go around barefooted, because if you step on them, they sting you just as bad as if they's alive. I bet I've been bit a hundred times that way. Why don't you bite them back? 
That's what Harry always says. <laughs> but I ain't got no stinger. Please, must we listen to this? <laughs> All right, Eddie. <laughs> hey, what do you want? Uh, huh? Oh, uh, I guess I forgot, Harry. Yeah, well, then I'll see you down at the dock later on tonight. Say, Harry, could you let me have a couple Here. of... Yeah, thanks. You're all right, Harry. Well, that's so long. Now, look, Beauclair, I don't care who runs France or Martinique or who wants to run it. You'll have to get somebody else's boat. You're leaving? Yeah. Make yourselves at home. Good night, gentlemen. Sorry, Beauclair, but I got a client waiting downstairs. Come on, Slim. I want to see Johnson's face when you hand him back his wallet. sitting at the same table. Hey, where have you been? I've been looking all over for you. You're a fine one, Morgan, running off with my girl. She's got something she wants to give you, Mr. Johnson. Go ahead, Slim, hand it over. <laughs> That's my my wallet. Yeah. Where'd you get this? I stole it. Stole it? And just what are you going to do about well, the it? The question is, what are you going to do about it? Maybe you'd better look it over. Oh, uh, uh, it's all right, I'm sure. Oh, you better be sure the plane ticket's still there. Goodbye, Mr. Morgan. You're not staying, huh? No, we're not staying. Excuse the interruption, Mr. Uh, now, look, I was going to pay you off. Sure, you were going to sign some of those traveler's checks, weren't you? I wouldn't skip out on you. Yeah, well, here's a pen. Start signing. Uh, 835. That's right, 835. Oh, what's that? What's going on there? Police. Look, see, those men are adjusting your room. They're after Pipe down, baby, and duck. Quick. <laughs> He's dead. Mr. Johnson is dead. Yeah, that's right, Frenchie. Stray bullet. He couldn't ride any faster than he could duck. How do you feel, Slim? Oh, I'm fine, Steve. Just uh, fine. Not a minute and those traveler's checks would have been good. Because it struck you it might be an idea to get out of here. Oh, it is no use. They were after your friends, huh, Beauclair? Yes. You, Gerard, stay where you are. Remember, you know nothing. Hey, they're, they're not regular cops. No, Sûreté Nationale. Gestapo, huh? Yes, yes, quiet, not quiet. What happened to this man on the floor? Uh, a stray bullet, monsieur. His name is Johnson, an American. Unfortunate. Take him away. Your attention, everyone. There is no cause for alarm. Inspector Renard is only interested in those persons who have violated regulations. Monsieur Gérard. Uh, yes? Headquarters for questioning. And you? Not nice to point, Lieutenant. The name's Morgan. Shut up. You, mademoiselle. Say, Steve, was you ever bit by a dead bee? You will come with us at once. <laughs> Hello? No, I told you nothing new. Buckley and others escape. I don't know. Yes, yes, later. Now then, you were saying, Monsieur Morgan, you did not know those men. That's right, Inspector. What was your connection with the dead man, Monsieur Johnson? He chartered my boat. But he was leaving Martinique in the morning, eh? Ah, his wallet here. There is no money in it, only traveler's checks. Yeah, well, there was some money in it. Sixty bucks, I took it. Why? Because he owed me over 800. You will surrender it, please. Now, wait a minute. And your passport. But do not be concerned. If your claim is just, it will be returned. That is all at the moment. Mademoiselle? Yes? Mary Browning, American, age 22. How long have you been in the city? I arrived by plane this afternoon. Residence? Hotel Marquis. Where did you come from? Trinidad. Alone? Yes. Why did you get off here? To buy a new hat. Why? To buy a new hat. Read the label. Maybe you'll believe me then. I never doubted you. It is your tone that is objectionable. I will ask you again. 
Because I didn't have money enough to go further. Where were you when the shooting occurred? I was in... You don't have to answer that stuff. Shut up, you. Don't answer it. I told you to shut up. Go ahead. Slap me. Monsieur Morgan, we wish merely to get to the bottom of this affair. You'll never do it by slapping people around. It's bad luck. We shall see. If we need to question you further, you will be at the hotel? Well, you've got my dough and my passport. I'm stuck. By the way, what are your sympathies? Minding my own business. May I suggest... I don't need any advice about continuing to do it either. Let's go, Slim. How do you feel? I'm breathing fresh air again, but I don't understand all this. What's it about, Steve? Well, you, you see that character I know it works for Vichy. You, you, you know what that is. Yeah, something you put in a drink, isn't it? Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's close enough. Well, well, the other fellows, the ones they were shooting at in the hotel there, they're free French. Most of the people on the island are, but they haven't been able to do much about it. You know, I could use a drink. Well, there's a cafe across the street, but... Uh-oh, I forgot. No dough. Those guys cleaned me out, remember? Maybe I can do something about that. Another Mr. Johnson, maybe. Oh, uh, any objections? Well, if you're that thirsty, go ahead. You don't mind? I'll wait out here. If I get tired, I'll be back at the hotel. You're not sore, are you? Oh, why should I be? I won't be long. wait for me very long, did you? No. You're sore, aren't you? Why should I be sore? Oh, I didn't behave very well, did I? (laughs) Did all right, I see. You got a bottle. There was a naval officer. I asked for a bottle and he gave it to me. Just like that? Yeah, he was feeling good, but you're not. Now, look, I don't give a... I know, I know. You don't give a hoop what I do, but when I do it, you get sore. After all, you told me to, you know. I told you. Well, you said go ahead, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. I guess I did. Would you rather I wouldn't do things like that? Oh, why ask me? I'd like to know. Well, of all the screwy... All right, I won't do it anymore. Now, look, I didn't I say... know you didn't. Don't worry. I know what I'm doing. Yeah, well, as long as you do, sit down. How long have you been away from home? This is about the time for it, isn't it? The story of my life. Well, I got a pretty fair idea already. Who told you? You did that slap you took from Reynard, you hardly blinked an eye. It takes practice to be able to do that. The next time I get slapped, I'll be sure to do something about it. Hey, you forgot your bottle. I don't want it. Who's sore now? I am. Who is it? It's me. The door's unlocked. Here's your bottle. I said I didn't want it. Well, you are sore, aren't you? I asked you a question, you didn't answer me. I said you're sore, aren't you? Look, I'm tired. I'd like to get some sleep. What's made you so mad? I've been mad ever since I met you. Most people are. One look and you made up your mind just what you wanted to think about me. Well, go ahead. Keep going. You don't know me at all, Steve. It doesn't work, Steve. I brought that bottle up here to make you feel cheap. And that didn't work either. Instead, I'm the one who feels cheap, and I... I've never felt that way before. I... I wanted to... Well, I thought that... Get out of here, will you, before I make a complete fool of myself. How long have you been away from home, Slim? None of... Home about six months. Going back? How? What are you going to do here? I don't know. Get a job, maybe. Jobs are hard to get. 
Hmm. Nice perfume. Remind you of somebody, Steve? No, this is the brand new one to me. Would you go back if you could? I'd walk if it weren't for all that water. Good night, Steve. Good night. Quit worrying. You'll get back all right. Could I see you for a minute? What the... Oh, all right. Open the door. Here's that bottle again. Yeah, that uh, bottle's getting to be quite a problem, isn't it? Well, you want a drink? No. Well, I thought you were so tired. I am. But you gave me something to think about. You said you might be able to help me. That's right. You're going to take that job with those men Frenchy brought up here? Yeah, if I can find what's left of them. But don't get the idea I'd take that job just to help you. I need money, too. Wait a minute. Here, can you use this? Oh, now, that's great. She carries a dough in her shoe. And I thought you said you were broke. Oh, you're awful good, Slim. I'd walk home if it weren't for all that water. Who was the girl, Steve? Who was what girl? The one who left you with such a high opinion of women. You think I lied to you about this money, don't you? Well, there's $32 here. Not enough for boat fare or any other kind of fare. But you can have it if you want it. I'm sorry. I still say you're awful good and I wouldn't... I know. You wouldn't take anything from anyone. You know, Steve, you're not very hard to figure. Only at times. Most of the time, I know exactly what you're going to say. The other times... The other times, you're just a stinker. What'd you kiss me for? I've been wondering whether I'd like it. What's the decision? I don't know yet. Do you know now? Well, that was better. Uh, you're sure you won't change your mind about the money? Uh-huh. The money belongs to me and so do my lips. I don't see any difference. Oh, I do. Okay. You know you don't have to act with me, Steve. You don't have to say anything and you don't have to do anything. Not a thing. Oh, maybe just whistle. You know how to whistle, don't you, Steve? You just put your lips together and blow You just put your lips together and... (laughs) Our stars, Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall, will return with Act Two of To Have and Have Not in just a moment. Where have you been today, Libby? Sure, and I've been drinking cambric tea with a sweet and gracious little lady. Oh, someone with an Irish brogue. <laughs> a temporary brogue. Margaret O'Brien had to learn it for her part in Metro-Golden-Mayer's Three Wise Fools, so she loves to practice it. Margaret never lacks for admirers. Oh, everyone she works with adores her. It's no wonder she's so convincing in Three Wise Fools when she wraps the three old bachelors around her finger. Lionel Barrymore, Lewis Stone, and Edward Arnold enjoyed it thoroughly. Margaret takes a keen interest in the other actors, doesn't she? Oh, yes. I don't know whether she was more intrigued by a troupe of midgets who masquerade as fairies or by lovely Sid Charisse, the famous ballerina. Margaret dances in her next picture, so Sid taught her some ballet steps between scenes in MGM's Three Wise Fools. Sounds like quite a stocking risk for Sid. Oh, no. Her stockings hardly ever get run. She told Margaret the fairies helped her. The fairies in a box of Lux flakes? <laughs> you guessed it. Having a box of Lux is just like having a troop of fairy godmothers to help you. That's right. Lux helps stockings last twice as long, so you get the wear of an extra pair from everyone you buy. 
That's just like having a fairy godmother present you with an extra pair. You're sure that's no fairy tale? Quite. We've scientific tests to back it up. Dozens of stockings were washed with Lux Flakes, the same number with a strong soap. Then strain tests were made to see how soon they'd go into runs. The Lux stockings lasted twice as long. Rayon, nylon, silk, and cotton all showed similar results. That's like finding extra stockings in every box of Lux. Remember, those Lux Flakes are precious. Don't waste them. Here's your producer, William Keeley. Act two of To Have and Have Not, starring Humphrey Bogart as Harry Morgan and Lauren Bacall as Marie. Since escaping the Vigi police, Jean Beauclair of the French underground has been hiding out on the outskirts of town, a bullet wound in his leg. It's early morning now, and Beauclair has two visitors, Gerard, the hotel proprietor, and Harry Morgan. Last night, Mr. Morgan, you definitely refused to have anything to do with us. Why have you changed your mind? I need the money. Last night I didn't. What's the job? You will talk, take your boat to Angela, about three kilometers from the point. The cove and little jetty. Uh, you know it then? Yeah. You will go at night. When you're off the jetty, flash a light. It will be answered. There will be two people to take aboard. I know the name of only one. Paul de Brissac. How about landing him back here? Oh, not here. Uh, you know Cape uh, Saint-Pierre, Harry? Uh-huh. I will have a rowboat and we'll meet you there offshore. Okay, I'll leave around noon. With luck and no patrol boats, I'll be back at Saint-Pierre a little after midnight. Well, I won't be carrying lights, Frenchy, so keep your eyes open. If it weren't for, the, for this leg of mine... I'm glad you're on our side, Morgan. Oh, I'm not. I'm getting paid. Oh, uh, I'd like my money now. There, that envelope. Thanks. How is the leg? Please, I'd feel better if you were on your way. All right, good luck. You need the luck now. You and de Bersac. Oh, that girl, Morgan. The one you call Slim. Well, she's leaving Martinique on the afternoon plane. We can both forget about her. Steve, have some breakfast? I had mine two hours ago. What have you been doing? Arranging so you could get in the afternoon plane. Can you make it? Sure. Frenchy here will see you get the ticket. Uh, gladly, if you wish. You took that job, didn't you? Yeah. I figured this way you wouldn't get your feet wet. You want me to go, Steve? Yes. I want you to go. Okay. Uh, help her get on that plane, will you, Frenchy? I will. Well, I've got to get down to the dock. I probably won't see you again. If I ever do get up your way, I'll... Yes, do that. I'll leave my address with Frenchie. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I'll know how to whistle by then. So long, Mr. Morgan. Well, it was nice while it lasted. Perhaps it is better this way, Miss Browning. A strange man. Very strange. Yeah. There. Come on out of there before I... Eddie. Put down the gun, Harry. It's just me. Well, now, how'd you get aboard? I thought I told I you... I sneaked on at the dock while you was working on the engines. Well, if I thought you could swim, I'd dump you overboard. You're an old joker, Harry. You and me's got to stick together when there's trouble. How do you know there's trouble? You can't fool me. Say, where are we going? Eddie, what would you do if somebody took a shot at you? Took a shot at me? With a gun? Who's going to shoot at me? Well, if you're lucky, nobody. Harry, where are we going? I'll tell you when the time comes. Uh, oh, uh, put on a sweater. It's getting cold. Say, what's going on? What's all the darn guns for? Two rifles and... In case we run into a shark or something. 
And what do you mean? There's something. We're going on a job. Can you shoot one of those things? Anybody knows how to handle a rifle. All you got to do is work the lever and pull the trigger. What do I got to work a gun for? <laughs> I just wondered if you could. Sometimes you act so stupid, Harry. Sometimes. Is it going to be that bad? It all depends. That's why you didn't want to carry me. You was afraid I'd get hurt. You was thinking of me. <laughs> what are you laughing at? I was just wondering whether you're going to hold together or not. Well, I'm a good man, Harry. You know I am. Yeah, well, we're going to pick up a couple of guys, Eddie. Now take this gun and get aft. If there's any trouble, start shooting. Yeah, but don't shoot me. Yeah, but supposing something happens to you, what do I do then? Well, how do I know? You invited yourself on this trip. We'll make an Ashland in about 30 minutes. <laughs> Standard on the jetty. I see them come out of the shadows. Turn off that flashlight. Yes, monsieur. All right, get aboard. There's a strong tide here. We are coming. Who are you, please? The Beauclair sent me. My name's Morgan. It's all right, Elaine. Quickly now. Now, wait a minute. Beauclair didn't say anything about a woman. Don't meet me, Captain. This is my wife. How do you do? Now, what do you want to bring up? Well, it's your funeral. All right, Eddie, let's get out of here. What happened to Beauclair, Captain? Well, he ran into a little trouble. Monsieur Morgan, who are you? I own this boat, but Claire hired me to pick you up. You're on our side? No. I don't understand. Well, I don't understand what kind of a war you guys was fighting. Lugging your wives around with you. You're being paid for this. That's what I said. Then I suggest you stop talking and get us to Martinique. That's just where we're going, sister. We'll hit the cape pretty soon, Harry. You want I should store the rifles? I said you want I should store... Shut up. There you go again. I asked you... Turn them off. Huh? Turn them off. See anything? You hear anything? No. Listen. There's a ship out there. Patrol boat. Take the wheel, Eddie. Why did you shut off your engine? Keep quiet. What is it? It is a patrol boat, ain't it? Hey, give me that gun. You can't fight them guys. Oh, what's the matter, Eddie? This is where you ought to be telling me how good you are. Well, I can do it, but what do you want me to do? What does this mean, Monsieur Morgan? You and your wife get down on the deck and stay there. You'll try to resist them with a rifle? He's got a searchlight. They see get us. Get down on the deck. You save France. I'm going to save my boat. Stand by! Stand by or we'll fire! Harry, get the searchlight. Shoot it out. Well, I can try anyway. You got it, Harry. Hey, you want me to shoot too? Stay on that wheel. Full speed, Eddie. All she's got. Hurry. Oh, they're shooting at us. Don't shoot. Don't shoot. Save your breath, mister. They'll run us down. They'll sink us. Yeah, they might. That's a chance we'll have to take. Get down. Stop. Oh, oh, oh. Got him, huh? Yeah. Should have laid down. He's down now. Do something. Please, do something. I am, lady. I'm getting us out of here. Coming in on the Cape, Harry. Yeah, yeah, take over for a while and watch for Frenchy's boat. Well, how's your husband? Please, help me get him on the seat. Now, we'll leave him where he is. It's just his arm. Besides, I don't want him bleeding all over my cushion. How can you be so heartless? That's something I ask myself at least once a day. Now, we'll be picking up Gerard any minute. He'll take care of both of you. Where will he take us? I don't know. There he is, Harry. Okay, slow down and watch the drift. Can't I get a drink now? Just one. Sorry, Eddie. I need one worse than you do. Uh, 
that all you got to say? Oh, what's the idea, Slim? What happened to that plane? I missed it. Why? Didn't you like the accommodations? Or I didn't just you... decided to stay. Oh, now, look, well, I've, been I've... To... I've been to a lot of trouble to get you out of here and... That's why I didn't go. Not sore, are you? Well, it'd be all right if I had any dough, well, but... I got a refund on the ticket. Here. Oh, that's going to help a lot. I'll be all right, Steve. I've got a job. Frenchy seems to think I can sing. Well, it's his place. Sometimes you make me so mad, I Harry, could... You could what? Harry. Harry, I need your help. The Bursaki is badly wounded. Well, the bullet hit the gun first and is practically spent. All you got to do is get somebody to take it out. We don't dare call a doctor. You could... Me? I'm hotter than any doctor right now. Don't you think they recognize my boat? All I got to do is walk out of here. You don't have to go out of here. The Bursaki is in the cellar. Oh, why didn't you put him in the goldfish bowl in the lobby? We had to do something. They're watching every road out of town. Well, Slim, you see what you got yourself into sticking around here? I'm ready to leave any time you are. Oh, Harry, please. Not a chance. Uh, uh, Harry, uh, my wife tells me your bill is overdue. 6,356 francs. Oh. We will be glad to dismiss the bill if you will do this for us. You'll, uh, you'll throw her bill in too, Slim's? Yes, plus two. Uh-huh. Okay, you'll find a medical kit inside, Slim. Bring it down to the cellar. Sure. And bring some boiling water, too. Get away from him. You're not to touch my husband. Well, that's all right with me. Oh, Harry, please. She's not herself. Now, look, lady, they can't get a doctor without giving the whole show away. I won't let you do it. He's not badly hurt. He's unconscious because he's... Oh, come in, Slim. Hello. Miss Browning, this is Madame de Boussac. Who are you? Nobody, just another volunteer. What'll I do with this water, Steve? I dropped these instruments in it. You better get out of here, Mrs. Dubusak. You may not like this. I'll be all right. Then hold this can of chloroform. If he comes to while I'm probing, pour some on this cotton and give him a whiff. Uh, don't open it until I tell you to. His arm. Look at it. How can you... Oh, fine, fine. She's out. Like a light. Madame, madame. Now, let her alone, Frenchie. Slim. Any chloroform left? Some. Enough, maybe. All right, fan those fumes away or we'll all be out. Hey, hey, wait a minute. Not towards her. Well, keep your fingers crossed. Let's have that dressing, Frenchie. Uh, here, Harry, here. Bandages? Now, you and Frenchie can do that. Adhesive tape in the box. I'm afraid the patient's going to recover. Well, I better get... Mercy, up off the floor. She may catch cold. Oh, she's all right. Just fainted. <sighs> I've got her. What are you trying to do? Guess her weight? Oh, she's heftier than you think. Maybe you'd better just look after her husband. Well, he's not going to run out on me. Neither is she. Yeah, when you're finished, go upstairs and get some sleep, sleep and thanks for your help. I'd rather stay here. You heard me. Oh, for the love of... Now, what did I do? You know, Harry, before I told Miss Browning, you are a very strange man. Now I tell you, she is a very strange girl. Yeah. <laughs> Funny. That is what she said. Yeah. Well, how do you feel now? Very stupid. I'm not in the habit of fainting. Well, your husband's okay. I just put him to sleep again with a pill. I, I'll stay here with him. Tell me, uh, why did you tag along on a trip like this? I wanted to be with him. Well, that's no reason. I was also told to come. 
They said no man was much good if he left someone behind for the Nazis to find and hold. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes sense. I told them I'd be no good, but I was afraid. Now I've made Paul that way, too. Now he's afraid. Well, he didn't invent it. Invent what? Being afraid. Thank you, Mr. Morgan. Mr. Morgan, I... Hey, you're not going to faint again, are you? No. I'm, I'm just having a hard time trying to say something. Well, I won't bite you. I, I'm sorry for the way I behaved. You're just sorry you made a fool of yourself. You don't make me angry when you say that. I don't think I'll ever be angry again with anything you say. Another screwy dame. Now, how can you... Hello. I hate to break this up, but I thought you'd want something to eat. Thank you. How's the patient, Doctor, or haven't you looked lately? He'll be all right. I hope you have everything you need here, Mrs. Tabersack. The eggs may be a little hard-boiled, Oh, they're but... fine. I like them that way. You're lucky, isn't she? Well, I'm going up and get some sleep. If you need me, tell Gerard. <laughs> I followed you up here, Steve. Do you mind? Oh, suit yourself. Thanks. For what? I'd like a match. Here. Now I need a cigarette. I'll help yourself. Thank you. Uh, Steve, aren't you hungry? Nope. Let me help you take your shoes Look, off. I'll take my own shoes off. All I want to do is get some sleep. Then I'll fix you a nice hot bath. You'll sleep better. Look, Junior, I'm not hungry. I'll take my own shoes off, and I don't want a nice hot bath. You mean there's nothing I can do? Uh-huh. You can get out. You know, Mr. Morgan, you don't make me angry when you say that. I don't think I'll ever be angry again at anything you say. <laughs> How am I doing, Steve? Does it work a second time? Uh, look, you want to do something for me, don't you? Yes. Okay, then, uh, try this. Walk around me. Hmm? No, go ahead, walk around me. I don't get it. You find anything? <laughs> no. No, Steve. There are no strings tied to you. Not yet. What do you mean, not yet? Come here. Mm, I like that. Except, uh, except for the beard. Why don't you shave, Steve, and we'll try it again sometime. Harry, Harry. Yeah, Frenchie? He's here. Inspector Renard. You better come right down. Oh, no, not now, Frenchie. I gotta shave. Harry, he's got your men. He's got Eddie. He's got... Eddie? Yes. He's giving whiskey. He's asking questions. Well, I'll be right down, then. No, Slim, I've got no strings. Only a rope right around my neck. We pause now for station identification. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. of To Have and Have Not, starring Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall in a moment. Being discovered by a talent scout doesn't usually mean immediate stardom. Months of training in diction and acting may precede a starlet's introduction to the public. Our guest tonight, lovely Miss Carrie McCord, is training at Fox right now, and it looks as though big things were in store for her. 
Do you spend much time on the sets, Carrie? Yes, indeed, Mr. Keeley. When I first signed, Fox was just finishing Daryl F. Zanuck's The Razor's Edge. And I watched Jean Tierney every chance I could. Mm, an excellent way to learn technique. Well, I liked her own powers, too. Well, they were both perfect casting for Somerset Maugham's novel. I'd love to be in a picture that called for a stunning wardrobe like Jean's. You're naturally interested in clothes. Oh, yes. I used to be a model. Fashion shows especially. Well, Jean Tierney was also a model. Oh, that's encouraging. We're alike in something else, too. What's that? Our clothes get the same kind of care. Lux flakes? Naturally. I found out from the wardrobe mistress that the beautiful blouses and sweaters Jean wears in the razor's edge were washed regularly with Lux. I've used Lux for my own nice things for years. You'll find Lux is the favorite of Hollywood studios, Carrie, because it takes such good care of colors and nice fabrics. Well, that's been my experience, Mr. Kennedy. Actual tests support that, too. Carefully supervised washing tests were made by a famous laboratory on dozens of different fabrics and colors. In case after case, those washed the Lux way were still lovely, but when those washed the wrong way were faded and drab. In fact, the Lux ones stayed color fresh and new looking up to three times as long. With the high cost of clothes these days, keeping them attractive longer is important to any girl. And that's one of the reasons Lux is worth waiting for if you can't get it the first time you try. Just keep asking for it. More is on the way. Here's Mr. Keeley at the microphone. After the play, we'll bring our stars back for their customary curtain call. Here they are in Act Three of To Have and Have Not. Humphrey Bogart as Harry Morgan, Lauren Bacall as Marie. It's a few moments later. In a corner of the hotel bar, Harry Morgan finds Inspector Renard and Sergeant Coy of the Secret Police. Seated between them is Eddie. We are buying your friend a drink, Captain Morgan. We find Mr. Eddie very entertaining when he drinks. You hear that, Harry? He called me Mr. Yeah, what were you boys talking about? Yeah, I was telling him about the big marlin you and me hooked onto last night. Oh, yeah. That fish was so big, me and Harry could hardly budge him. Yeah, that's right. Must have weighed a thousand pounds. Every time he takes a drink, the fish grows larger. Well, judging from what's, from what's left in this bottle, he must have started with a mackerel. And how did you finally manage to land such a great fish? Oh, didn't Eddie tell you? We didn't land him. We ran into a German submarine. Oh, a German submarine? Well, whatever it was that opened fire on us, I didn't stick around to find out. I do not think anybody could give a more logical explanation for refusing to obey the challenge of our patrol boat. Patrol boat? Oh, so that's what it was. Now, Eddie kept saying it was a patrol boat, but I wouldn't believe him. Now we get down to business, eh, Morgan? What about your passengers last night? What passengers? The ones you brought over from Angela. Would $500 refresh your memory? Oh, my memory's pretty good. For instance, I can remember you're the guy who lifted my passport and all my cash. And if your passport, the money will return. Including the 835 Johnson owed me? Why not? Now, where are they? Your passengers. Well, if these people are as important as you seem to think they are, they're going to be pretty hard for me to find. For a man of your resourcefulness? <laughs> not too difficult. Think it over. Let me know, Morgan. Come along, Coyote. Goodbye, Mr. Reddy. See me again when you get thirsty. <laughs> Them guys don't think that I'm wise, do they, Harry? They was trying to get me drunk. They don't know me, do they? Well, hey. what happened? What did they want? The Bissac. I heard you're arranging a deal. And now thinks you will turn them in, eh? Well, that's what you want them to think, isn't it? 
What will happen? Well, uh, Bernard hasn't searched this hotel yet, has he? No, not yet. Well, here's your answer. Bernard doesn't want just to Pesak and his wife. He wants the whole setup. And what shall we do? No, it's not we. It's you. And you can't do anything until the Pesak is strong enough to move. Now, how about some breakfast? Sure, sure. I thought you didn't want any breakfast. Oh, how are you, Slim? I asked you before if you were hungry. Sit down. Hey, you know, Harry, them guys, they were trying to find out something. What do you suppose it is? Well, you don't know? No, I ain't got no idea. <laughs> well, that's a good way to leave it. Say, uh, you got the hiccups. Have I, Harry? <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't you think you'd better take a drink of water? <laughs> water? I'm getting out of here. <laughs> Don't you worry none about me, Harry. <laughs> yeah, well, you stay away from the police. You know, they're not going to believe that story you told them a second time. What story was that, Harry? I forgot. Well, just, uh, just beat it and keep out of sight. Sure, Harry, sure. Well, I'm starting work tonight, Steve. You're a singer now, huh? I'd be interested to know what you think. Uh, will you be there? I don't know, maybe. So you decided to drop in, huh? Yeah. I do my song in a few minutes. Like my dress. Well, you won't have to sing much in that outfit. You know, Steve, sometimes you make me so That's mad. That's why I do it. You haven't seen Eddie, have you? Not since noon. Why? Well, he left the boat and he hasn't come back. Anything wrong? Plenty. They don't look now, but there's a guy with the door. I've been following me. Keep an eye on him, will you? I'll be down the cellar. Give Mrs. Diversak my love. I'd give her my own if she had that dress on. How's your patient? That's what I'm going to find out. Better, Harry, you see? There has been no bleeding all afternoon. I am very grateful, monsieur, believe me. Uh, well, you won't need me anymore, Debussac. Uh, Frenchie, I'm pulling out. Uh, when? As soon as I can find Eddie. Missing? Yeah. You wouldn't go without him? No, I don't think Eddie likes that. Now, look, Frenchie. As soon as I'm gone, Renard's going to turn this place upside down. You better start figuring how and where you're going to move our patient here. It would be best if my wife and I went with you. Oh, I'm still trying to get out of the jam I got into bringing you here. Just why'd you come in the first place? Did you ever hear of Pierre Villemar? Villemar? Yeah. Hey, he was quite a guy. Vichy got him, didn't he? Didn't he? He's dead, isn't he? No, monsieur, he's not dead. He's on Devil's Island. They sent me here to get him. He's a man whom an oppressed people will believe in and follow. And just how are you going to get him off Devil's Island? You don't think much of me, do you, monsieur Morgan? You are right. I am not a brave man. Well, I'd still like to know how you're going to spring Belmont. We will find a way. If it fails, if I die, someone else will try again. There always will be someone else. Yeah. Originally, we planned to do everything from here, but now, because of my clumsiness, it is impossible. That's the reason we have to go with you. But I've got the docks covered. They're all over the place. How will you go? Well, they're watching me to find you. As long as I haven't got you along, I can get on my boat. There'll be a fog tonight. I can drift out beyond the breakwater before I start my engines. I'll have trouble enough without you. Harry, if only you... No, Morgan is right, Gerard. This is not his fight yet. Oh, Gerard told me of your refusing Renard's offer. How do you know I won't take it? There are many things a man will do, monsieur. But betrayal for a price is not in your makeup. Well, good luck. I hope you find your friend. Thanks. Well, I'll be around, Frenchie. There are a few things I want to talk to you about before I blow. I'll be up presently. 
Any sign of Eddie? No. Your friend's still at the door. Yeah, so I see. I've got a hunch the whole thing's going to blow up, and soon. Any plans to? A few. We're going to pull out of here tonight. We? Yeah. As soon as I can find Eddie, and don't look so happy about it. It'll be rough. I'm broke. If we do get out, it'll be with a couple of hundred gallons of gas and a few francs, just enough to get us to Port-au-Prince, maybe. I've never been there. I don't know when you'll get back home. It could be a long time. Could be forever. Or is that what you're afraid of? I'm hard to get, Steve. All you have to do is ask me. How long will it take you to... Oh, no. Wait a minute. Break it up with being watched. I'd better give Olive another song anyway. I'll see you later on. Yeah, later on. Harry. Harry, she wants to see you. Madame de Bursac. Now, look, Frenchie, that's all over. I just took her to your room. Your what? Please, Harry. She has to talk to you. Okay. Tell Slim I'm... And I'll come to think of it, don't tell her anything. Come up here. It's not much of a chance. I had to see you. It's about this jewelry. I'd like you to take these. They're all Paul and I have left. Save them until we can come for what them. What if they get me before I get out? And throw them overboard. At least they won't have them. Well, suppose I never see you again. Then let it be a part payment for all you've done for us. Miss Browning. I keep barging in, don't I? When I just came in, Steve, he's on his way up. Did he see you? I don't think so. All right, get in the other room, both of you. Go on, hurry. But suppose he... And keep quiet. As soon as I get rid of her now, I'd take her back down to cellar. Okay, Steve. Are you looking for me, Renard? Do you mind if we come in? No, not at all. And any friends of yours... Shut are... up. Search him. Keep your hands up, Morgan. Okay, relax. I don't carry guns. And what's on your mind, Renard? The whereabouts of Monsieur and Madame de Bursac. Well, how would I know? Well, I thought perhaps you... Hmm. Perfume. Very nice. You like it, huh? Yes. So do I. All right, Slim. Come on out. Good evening. Mademoiselle. Well, now we are all here, except your friend, Mr. Eddie. You've got Eddie? Yes, we've got Eddie. What are you going to do with him? Oh, if you will not give us the information we want, perhaps he will. We made a mistake this morning of giving him liquor. This time we will withhold it. Oh, he couldn't stand that. He'd crack wide open. All of which you could prevent. Yeah. Yeah, I could. Um, you got a cigarette, Slim? Here. Thanks. Can't you make Eddie talk, Renard? When necessary. Uh, got a match, Slim? Sorry, I... Uh, there's some over in that drawer. You could save your friend a great deal of, uh, shall we say, discomfort? I don't see any matches, Steve. Well, there's a whole box of them. Uh, never mind, I'll, I'll get them. Uh, how much money did you offer me, Renard? Eight thirty-five and five hundred, wasn't it? Except now I don't believe I will pay anything. Yeah. Hey, you... Probably right. Eddie will talk. He'll have to talk. There's nothing else I can do but. But what? But this. Look out! He's got the gun! Oh! oh. Sorry, Renard. Coyo shouldn't have shot first. When somebody shoots at you, you gotta shoot back. All right, Slim. Yes, Steve. You know, I'd. I'd forgotten all about the gun in the drawer. Thanks. Listen to me, Morgan. I've listened to you long enough. Now get him up. You forget we still have that drawer. So you were gonna drive Eddie nuts, picking on a poor old rummy that never. and slapping girls around. That's right. Go for your gun, Renard. Your boy on the floor needs company. No, no, Harry, don't, don't. Get the gun, Frenchie. 
Yes, Harry, yes. Now, get over that couch, Renard, both of you. <laughs> Don't bother me, Frenchy. I'm getting mad. All right, Madame de Bissac, come on out. Uh, let me introduce you, fellas. This is Madame de Bissac. The other one's down the cellar, her husband. Take her down, Frenchy, get some help. Are they both ready to leave on the boat and come back here? Slim, you pack. We're shoving off as soon as we get Eddie out. And just how do you think you will get him Shut out? Shut up. There's a telephone in the hall, Renard. You're going to tell someone to let Eddie out? Oh, yes, you are, one of you. Because you're both going to take a beating until someone gets on that phone. That means one of you is going to take a beating for nothing. I don't care which one it is. But I'd like to start with you, Renard. <clears throat> Where? Where is the phone? I'll... Sh I'll show it here just as soon as you tie up your partner here. Yes. Yes, you hear me? I said you will release him immediately. Tell him you'll explain later. I will explain it later. Do nothing till you hear from me. Then I'll take the responsibility. Goodbye. Thanks, Renard. Now back to my room. You've got some harbor passes to fill out. Ready, Harry. The Bursac and Madame, they're waiting. Yeah, we'll take them down to the wharf. Here, these passes will get them through the guards. Where will you take them, Harry? Well, maybe Devil's Island. Huh? What? Well, it's just a short stop to pick up your friend Vilma. He's still there, isn't he? Oh, Harry, do not joke. Well, that's what you wanted, wasn't it? Oh, Harry, you should tell more that you face that for Madame. Well, that's all right. Just, just don't kiss me. Oh, now, Harry. <laughs> why, why are you doing this, Harry? I don't know. Maybe because I like you, and maybe because I don't like them. Oh, um, you'll have to take care of those guys. Renard and his pal, they're in my room. We will give you plenty of time. If you let them go, they'll come back here and burn this place down. It will be a very small fire. When Vilmar comes back, we will start a bigger fire. Okay. I'll see you at the boat, Frenchie. Everything been going, Harry. Well, everything is all right now. You look glad to see me. You know, a funny thing. Yeah, uh, I know. At the police station. I've been at the police station. Yeah, we're shoving off, Eddie. Ready, Slim? Already. They're down in your cabin. Hey, what is this? She going with us? Yeah, it looks like it. She and those people we picked up. But, Harry, you mean... Oh, what's she got to... Who are you? Was you ever bit by a dead bee? Uh, was you? Yeah. You know, you got to be careful of dead bees. They can sting you just as bad as live ones, especially if they was kind of mad when they got killed. I feel like I was talking to myself. I bet I've been bit a hundred times that way. Why don't you bite them back? I would, only I haven't got a stinger. Now I remember you. You're all right. She can come, Harry. It's okay with me. Uh, thanks. <laughs> now, I'll have the two of you to take care of, won't I? Yeah, that's right, Eddie. Throw off that line. Sure, Harry. All clear. Well, here we go, Slim. Yes, here we go. You don't have to act with me. That's what you said, remember? You don't have to say anything, and you don't have to do anything. Oh, maybe just whistle. Well, I've been practicing. Oh? Listen. You're feeling happy, Slim. What do you think? Yeah. 
And that was the stupendously marvellous To Have and Have Not, starring Lauren Bacall and this week's featured player, Mr Humphrey Bogart. I do hope you enjoyed it. All that's left for me to do is to say a very fond farewell to you all. I'm off now to record the first special patron-only fortnightly episode for all you patrons, which will be with said patrons in just a few days' time. And in case you're wondering, no, it's not a mini-episode or an abbreviated episode. It is a full-length Attaboy Clarence episode, radio play and everything, for you patrons, so look for the email in a few days' time. Well... Thank you so much for joining me this week, and I'll be back inside your head next week. No doubt joined by stranglers, dogs, more classic movies, and the best listeners a man could hope for. I will see you there. Bye for now. Chopsticks are oriental, if you please.